Welcome to another edition of Sustainable Business. This week, the floods that didn't happen, going green in Parliament, a note about Christmas cards, and of course, the oil price. Well, the oil price has come off the peak. It's down to $94.50 a barrel. It didn't quite get up to $100. It got up to 98 The effect of this, of course, is being felt at the pump. I paid 101.9 when I filled up last week, although the price is now beginning to fall again. Even so, hauliers and others are talking about having further protests. They believe that Gordon Brown should cut back on the fuel duty. After all, he blinked when all this happened in 2000, and he did cut back on fuel duty. The difficulty is, though, if he does cut back on fuel duty, he's making it easier for people to continue to use a scarce resource at the same rate as they've always used it. Now, I know that's little comfort to people who've got a business to run and a bottom line to protect, but we've got to realise that oil is a scarce and declining resource. Demand is racing ahead, particularly from the emerging nations like Brazil, India and China, And, well, there's a crunch on the way. We, unfortunately, have got to get used to higher, more expensive oil prices. We've got to learn to do more with less. It's an unpalatable, but I think true, situation. Incidentally, the website where I check the oil prices reckons that a year from now, the oil price will be $122 a barrel. A year ago... It was round about 60. The oil price is on the up. And what about those floods? Floods in East Anglia, which didn't really happen. Well, there was a storm surge. Is this connected to climate change and sustainability? Can we do anything about it? Well, the storm surge, the mechanics of the storm surge, are that when there is a very strong wind blowing down the North Sea and there is an area of very low pressure, and this coincides with the spring tide, the highest tide in the month, then a surge comes down the North Sea and threatens the English coastline, right round East Anglia and right up the Thames estuary. This sort of thing happened about 50 years ago in the Great Flood of 1953. It was a coincidence of a strong wind, low pressure and a very high tide. These things happen. And you can't really say that it's anything to do with climate change. But there is a climate change factor involved. And that is that sea levels are rising. Sea levels in the Thames estuary, for example, are rising 6 millimetres a year. That doesn't sound a great deal. But that means that in the Thames estuary alone, that 6 millimetres means there's an additional... 600,000 tonnes of water each year. That's an additional 6 million tonnes in 10 years. There's that much extra water to be blown down the estuary by the wind in conditions of storm surge. That's why we've got to look at our coastal defences and that's why the Thames Barrier will need upgrading in due course. And whether or not it's anything to do with climate change, it's a risk that's going to affect our businesses. The cost of preventive measures to avoid the predicted flood, the cost of 
evacuating people and putting them into reception centres in case the floods did actually breach the defences is estimated to run to about a million pounds. That's the cost of the local councils. How many people lost days at work? How many employers lost time? How were businesses affected by the fact that roads out of the major cities like Yarmouth were cut? Floods are the most immediate threat that we seem to have in this country. Norfolk and Suffolk got off relatively lightly. Good planning, good organisation. People who were caught by the floods in the summer are still waiting to go home. Many of those will be living in caravans or in hotels or with friends even up till Christmas because of the damage that was caused. A million pounds may be a burden on the local council tax but it's a cheap investment when you compare it with the consequences of the floods which came in the summer. There are people who are flooded out in June and July who still won't be back in their houses for Christmas. Not content with a climate change bill, those people down at Westminster have decided that the Houses of Parliament should go green. They're talking about boreholes and tidal turbines and a 35-metre wind turbine to provide the Houses of Parliament with renewable energy. A 35-metre wind turbine is quite large. Not one of the largest, of course, but it will certainly become a landmark. The trouble with wind turbines is that they don't work particularly well on land. They're much more efficient out at sea where there are no obstructions to a free flow of wind. Certainly in urban areas, the turbulence makes them very difficult to operate. And there are very few turbines, particularly turbines on domestic roofs, which create any sensible sort of power output. Apparently the one that they want to put next to the Houses of Parliament will reduce the carbon footprint of the Houses of Parliament by about 7.5%. I can't help thinking that they could cut their energy usage by 7.5% relatively easily. They could start reducing tomorrow. It wouldn't cost them anything and it would be an awful lot quicker than waiting for the construction and the installation of an enormous wind turbine. Have you got your Christmas cards yet? I saw a press release which said that 744 million Christmas cards were delivered by the Royal Mail in 2005 and an estimated 1 billion Christmas cards, which is 17 per man, woman and child, weighing 20,000 tonnes, will end up in the bin this Christmas. 200,000 trees will be cut down to make the Christmas cards and the envelopes that we send each Christmas in the UK. It's no wonder that reducing our carbon footprint is at the top of the agenda, but it doesn't stop there because many of the Christmas cards could still be with us in 30 years' time. Apparently landfill sites actually preserve paper instead of letting it naturally degrade because there's a lack of oxygen underground, so it stops the bacteria being able to grow and feed off it. Well, of course, some people are suggesting that we should send e-cards. The trouble with sending e-cards, e-email greeting cards, is that very often they're stopped by spam filters. And, of course, there have been a lot of greetings cards in the past which have merely been a disguise for viruses. And that's why they're blocked out. I've, I'm considering sending Christmas postcards this year. At least they won't be an envelope. 
and I'll make sure it's on recycled paper. How about you? Well, that's all for this week. My name's Anthony Day. I speak, write and consult on sustainable issues, on climate change and energy, on resource depletion, on pollution and the coming energy crisis. You can find more at www.anthony-day.com And don't forget to come back to susbiz.biz next week. And next week I hope to have an interview for you with details about putting in ISO 14001. What is it? Do you need it? What does it cost? And what do you have to do? Anyway, who knows what will happen in the coming week? Have a good one.